Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Butkus. Direct from the 312, join hosts Pete Hassan, Matt Amendola, and Matt Butkus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Butkus Beyond the Line. Roses are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome back to Butkus Beyond the Line. Today we are joined by Matt Eberflus, who previously served as the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator and now is the new head coach for our Chicago Bears. We also have a special guest. He came out from California. My dad, traveling for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, good to have him in studio. I uh, wrangled him to come in for a couple hours today. We're sure to have some fun with him. But first... The huddle. 989 on two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready. On two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready. So Dola, man, what's my Trojans and and my rival Bruins? Or There's a lot going on in the Big Ten right now, buddy. Moving into the Big Ten, huh? Mm-hmm. Chasing dollars, bud. <laughs> I guess it really is all about the money. It's yeah. all about the Benjamins. Well, last time I read, I think it was a six-year media deal which they said that would pay out in 2023 for $440 million. Right now, Apple's getting on board with Amazon as well, not to mention the CBS or Fox deals, but right now they're looking at something like $1.1 billion for, for the next six years. Right. For streamers to get involved in the process is just... I was looking at, um, you know, on ESPN where they you show the schedule and who's on for the TV. It said Twitter. You know, where it says CBS or Fox, it said Twitter. So, I mean, yeah, it's getting crazy with it, with all these uh, media people. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. And it's obviously it's all about, like we said before, it's all about the money. Yeah, with the NIL and the have and the have not, some of the colleges like USC. Yep. Um, but a lot of people, you know, the naysayers, well, well, not the naysayers, but the people that are upset about it was, you know, you got some tradition you sure. know, West Coast, you got the Rose Bowl that was usually, you know, a Big Ten versus the Pac-10 back in the day. And then, you know, travel. And an interesting question that people may forget is, you know, it's it's not just football. So it's the other sports. So, yeah, you know, travel, that's a lot of bus, it is. bus it's gonna, rides. It's going to affect the game. And it's definitely going to be a travel nightmare. But going across the country, I mean, some of these teams – you know, already. But I guess when you're USC, you, there's smart people there, and they got to decide if they want to do it or not. And it's, you know, the more advantages, you know, you play out here, you can get some more exposure. Mm-hmm. You get maybe some recruits from the Chicago land area and the, the Midwest because you look at usually USC's roster, and it's a lot of California. Mm-hmm. Definitely mostly California. So... That'll be interesting. It will be interesting. What do you think about the Trojans' record's going to be next year with the new coach? I think they're going to do pretty well. I looked at their schedule, and they have um, Utah's not bad, I think. They miss Oregon and Washington, mm-hmm. and then they have Notre Dame, and uh, Stanford's always tough because we get them early. I think we have your Texas from Texas, Rice Owls in our opener. There you go. And then uh, I think we have Stanford right after that. So we always play Stanford early. So you got to be, you know, they have a good. It was kind of interesting to see how Notre Dame would shake out in the whole thing. 
you know, kind of has like a one of a kind deal with NBC right now. Running through 2025, they paid like $15 million annually. So just for them to join the Big Ten and other schools like that, you're talking this one school could pocket 80 to $100 million. Yeah. Just in that one decision alone. Well, they're going to need to spend that traveling to the, to <laughs> Across the West the, Coast right. on, the, on the train or whatever. they. Well, it's probably first class now for the college kids. Who knows? Whatever. We had coach and you were... <laughs> You remember traveling and all that stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Get on the bus. Yeah. Did you ever happen to miss the bus? Oh. Uh, we had a guy miss the bus, showed up. Right. This is when you used to be able to drive on the tarmac or the actual, <laughs> like the buses would go to right. the plane. And then this guy, all we see is this pickup truck coming out of nowhere. We're in the air, bro. We're in the air. And he's, you know, because we were like, where's, you know, his name was Dan. I think, oh, I don't want to bring Sam up. <laughs> yeah, it was and crazy. And you're like, we're what's like, his truck? There's... No, well, the whole time they were calling him, but this was kind of before. And he's like, I'm in the he truck, man. Stop. Turn around. I'm on my way. We yeah. knew he was on his way. But... I almost missed the bus. That's a great story, actually. What happened? We were. <laughs> what, what, what were you doing? Oh man. Well, we played at Penn State, so it, you, when you play at Penn State, there's you know they open the road two lanes in, you know, before the game, and then after the game, you know, everybody's going out. It was the first year with John Robinson as the new coach, and it was our first game, so we were seniors. So he was really cool to the seniors. So we got finished with the game, and a friend of mine were like, let's shower up right quick and take a walk, you know? Maybe visit a few establishments before we go. So he's like, okay. So we go, and, um, you know, I start looking at my watch after a while, and I'm like, dude, we better we better get out of here. So we look, and the buses are pulling out. Oh, away. that's, a, that's oh. a sinking feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the first, uh, first game with John Robinson in his second stint. And we lost. I think we went for two and, and missed it. So we were running with our bags, and we're like, which bus are we going to get? We're like, pick the first one, right? So the door opens, and I'm like, you go first. You know, Eddie Haskell, you, you go first. So you, we went. You go down the aisle, and there's – John Robinson in the first seat, it's all quiet. And I'm like, this isn't good. So um, we go down, and the first seat open is with the new defensive coordinator, and we're on defense. So he was first, so he grabbed the seat next to the defensive coordinator. And I'm like, oh, my God. You're like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to the back. So I go all the way to the back. And he turned out to be one of my favorite coaches and a good friend was Dennis Thurman from the Cowboys Uh that played at USC. And he was back there and he had a bag of beers and i just sat back there with him and we became great friends on the road trip back to the the airport to leave. But uh, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. It was. (laughs) I can imagine the, the walk all the way to the back. Yeah. I took all the way. Yeah. Well, after the after the beginning of the coaches, it was all players. Oh, okay. So once that one seat was open with the defensive coordinator, I just went straight to the back. And they ever mention it? They ever mention anything to you? Uh, you know what? They didn't. They didn't. Um, no. So thank they, God. So they let it slide. But uh, yeah, John Robinson let a lot of things slide. But um, well, you know, we turned out to be a good team. I think, you know, as a coach. You're winning and everything. I I think you your your players slide a little bit as long as they're 
you're winning and playing, I don't think you you could pull that off for a losing team when you're not, you know, getting it done between the not ones. making bus rides. <laughs> but other than that, I only had one other one other story. We play um, Stanford and Cal every year, mm-hmm. so we called it the Weekender, and school would like shut down, and the fraternity row would take buses and campers up. And they'd stay for the weekend, and we'd play Saturday at, like, noon. All my friends were up there in the fraternity and stuff like that. So we went up there, and then uh, I showered up and grabbed my bag and kind of, like, going to ditch the bus and the plane flight back. I'm going to stay and go with my buddies on Sunday. So I'm thinking I'm all cool. So I get out of there, and I'm like, all right, I'm clear. But I'm in my, you know, the USC sweat suit, Mm -hmm. and I got my equipment bag on my back the big red bag so i'm walking down the street i kind of glance over and i look and there's our bus right there Mm -hmm. and everybody's giving you know the look and i'm like oh my so i duck down and and they drive off and i stayed that night with my buddies and we drove back the next day and they never said anything about that either so that's why did i ever tell you the time i played at cal no. No? Okay, listen, let's check this out. So, very first play of the game, we get the ball first. First play of the game, pick six. Second play, kickoff, tackle. Third play, quarterback throwback, touchdown. Fourth, okay, so this is like fifth play of the You're game. You're losing. We're losing. I'm like, <laughs> we uh, ended up sustaining the longest drive of that game, our second possession we drove like 72 yards got to the one yard line and we we passed on the one yard line kind of like we talked about in the last show hits off of our uh, tight end's head and they return it for 101 yards for a touchdown we ended up losing 70 to 22 first game of the year right out of the block it was brutal whoa welcome to cal berkeley there you go well that was the huddle yeah matt yeah we're looking forward to our our guest yeah, it's going to be a good day. Coach Matt Eberflus, and we got a little another little special guest, so listen in. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. Welcome back. We are joined today by a very special guest. He served as the linebackers coach for the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. Previously, he was the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, and now he's our new Chicago Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the show. Listen, I got a question for you. How did you get into coaching? Okay. Yeah. So I got into football at a young age. Uh, I got hired by Gary Pinkle, who's getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, I was working at the University of Toledo. That's where I played. 
And I got hired at about, you know, 20, I was almost 23 at the time. And I started coaching linebackers and that's the position that I played in college. Uh, so I did that for 10 years. And then uh, after that, he got the job at the University of Missouri and he took me with him as his defensive coordinator. Um, and I was 29 at the time. I was uh, one of the youngest, if not the youngest defensive coordinator in the country at that point. And then uh, was with him for eight seasons at the University of Missouri. We had some really good runs at the end of that time there. Uh, made it to the Big 12 championship a couple of times and didn't quite get it done. But uh, we had some good seasons there. And then I jumped to the pros and I was with uh, the Cleveland Browns for two years with Eric Mangini um, and Rob Ryan. And then I followed Rob Ryan to the Dallas Cowboys is also the linebacker coach for a couple seasons there uh, with Jason Garrett. And then I started my run with uh, uh, Monty Kiffin, Rod Marinelli um, in 2013. I'm at the Dallas Cowboys. I ended up staying seven years there with the Cowboys. And then I went to uh, the Indianapolis Colts after being with Marinelli. Uh, and I got hooked up with Chris Ballard um, and Frank Reich at Indianapolis Colts for four years as the defensive coordinator. Uh, we had some uh, good success there with uh, playing solid defense and taking the ball away and having a chance to win there. So we did uh, did a nice job there. And then uh, now I'm here at the at the Chicago Bears and uh, had a nice interview process uh, with uh, George McCaskey and Ted and obviously Ryan Poles and, um, you know, certainly uh, laid out the vision for the football team and how we want to play and how we're going to go about our business. And they got hired there six months ago. And, you know, they always tell you that that first three months is uh, is kind of a whirlwind and, you know, the fire hose is, so to speak, you know, going to be a full blast. And um, and that's true. And uh, we welcome that. Ryan and I were excited about that. We end up hiring, uh, you know, 13 coaches or 19 coaches in 13 days. Sorry, 19 coaches in 13 days. And it was we were fortunate because we were one of the first out of the box. You know, the night before I got hired. Uh, Denver hired their coach and we had a chance to really make a run at all, everybody we wanted to, you know, including Luke Getze from up in Green Bay. And then, you know, Alan Williams, uh, the defensive coordinator that was with me uh, in Indianapolis. And then uh, Richard Hightower, who was with uh, Kyle and those guys out at the 49ers. So I got a chance to get all three of those coordinators and really started there in that process of hiring, you know, because I had six interviews. Uh, with uh, NFL teams prior to landing this job at Chicago. And what I learned about the hiring process was this, is that I tried to micromanage it probably the first four times uh, that I went through it, you know, every position. And I think I learned over that process is to really do a good job of just letting Getsy and Allen and Hightower help me hire the assistants. So uh, that was it. We did a nice job there. We were off, off and running there in the offseason. And uh, we thought, and I want to thank the players that we had great attendance. Uh, I want to thank the coaches, and we really had an opportunity to lay the foundation uh, for what we want to do and how we want to build uh, this football team in Chicago. So uh, I'm excited about where we are. Guys are on break right now, working their tail off. I talked to them, you know, about 12 to 14 leaders in the last couple of days, uh, just to see how they're doing, see how their family's doing, and just touching base with them. And they're all. Uh, ripping, ready to go uh, for training camp. So that's where we are right now. How do you, Coach, how, how do you handle going to a team, uh, although you did have the draft, with all these players that you have nothing to do with getting there to be a Bear? I mean, yeah. what's, what's, what do you look for in a player? What do you want these guys to turn into be? 
Yeah. So it's, there's twofold there, Dick. It's really two things. You know, obviously you inherit some players that are already on the roster that already have contracts. And then you obviously, you acquire players to the free agency and draft. So, and to me, everybody's got a clean slate. So it doesn't matter what category you fall in as a player. And what we do is we just really outline the standards of how we're going to operate and practice, how we're going to operate in the meetings, how we're going to play football. And, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years um, as a coach and and around some really good coaches uh, to help me outline this philosophy. But we have ways to measure the, you know, the hustle and, and the intensity and us being able to operate in a smart way. And that's we just hold the guys to the standards. And it's very uh, upfront. It's on the table. And that's what we do. And that's uh, and the guys appreciate that. You know, so so as we acquire players and as we work with these current players, it's holding everybody to the standard. And at some point, what happens is the players start holding each other. That's already starting to happen to the high standard that we have and how we're going to play and how we're going to operate. Very nice. Very nice. Hey, coach, I know uh, I've heard a lot about, you know, other players and coaches around the league and they say what a leader you are, what a leader of men. Where does that fire come from? Who's your biggest as far as coaching influence going through the ranks? Who's the biggest mentor that you've had in the NFL? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of them, and I mentioned a few of them during my my opening presser uh, way back six months ago. And and certainly, I played for a guy Nick Saban, who was the early influence for me as a player, watching him operate as a coach. And that was his first job as a head coach at the University of Toledo. So that influence really as a player coach relationship was was really good, and I carried that on through my defensive running defenses now i'm going to carry that on to running offenses but in uh, special teams and the whole football team um but then i spent a lot of time with a guy named gary pinkle as i said getting into the hall of fame this year in college and his mentor was don james a legendary coach out of uh, university of washington and i took a lot of things from him um in terms of detail in terms of you get what you emphasize and he was an outstanding leader, an outstanding coach, you know, and then segueing into the pros, you know, I got, you know, a chance to be with uh, Coach Marinelli um, during that time. And he's an outstanding coach, you know, outstanding football coach, an outstanding leader. And I really took a lot up from him, too. So really, I would say those three guys that were are really my main leaders and mentors that I've taken from. Now going, Coach, going to the Bears, you have your defensive coach, you're a, a linebacker at, at heart. They started the NFL. How did it feel walking into Hallis Hall as the new head coach of the Chicago Bears? No, I think it's been, you know, obviously when you coach a long time and you've defended against offenses for all those years, you know, you have a real good, strong philosophy of what you know works on the other side of the ball. So, um, and that's why, you know, we did a great job of working with and building relationships with guys in that system. And, and we had a chance to pick Luke uh, Getsy as our offensive coordinator. So him and I have worked hand in hand. I've been, spent a lot of times in the quarterback meeting uh, this spring, you know, working with Justin and Luke and uh, Andrew Janoko, our quarterback coach. And that's been really good process for all of us. And uh, we're looking forward to getting that started here, coming in training camp. I got a question. Uh, are <laughs> you going go. to help the players or, or who started this business of Say a defensive back intercepts the ball on on his own ten yard line. All the guys get together. They sprint ninety yards to the opposite end zone and slide into <laughs> in, in front of a camera. And Who started that? What, what is that all about, really? 
Well, is that a practice you know, drill? Uh, I mean, do, I mean, do you no, practice it before grass and, and and for astroturf, uh, different slides? You know, really, if if that was well, done, I, I remember as a rookie. I don't know if you ever remember. There was a guy named Monty Stickles, was the dirtiest guy with the 49ers, a tight end. And here I'm a rookie, and we got Bill George and Doug Atkins, and we're watching the film, game films, before the first game of the year. And uh, they're saying, hey, watch this guy, 80-whatever his number was. And he hits a linebacker, you know, with, with a forearm at the back of the head. And then they all just looked at each other, and I'm, like, sitting there watching as a rookie, keeping my mouth shut. We go there. We play the 49ers. Uh, we're looking at the game films, and there's Stickles in the first play. And then after that, he's... He's no longer there. <laughs> they took care of him. Imagine you that. You know what I mean? Jeez, what a, how, how, what a yeah. fluke. You know, what happened? I, I just don't understand. What, 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 what all, you know, and then, the, and then the commentators say, well, they're having fun. Really? <laughs> having fun? If I was on the other team, I'd, I think I'd get a little pissed. I, I, personally, I tell you. What's your view on that? Well, yeah, that's happened, and I've had some uh, you know defensive units do that uh, every time we get a takeaway and we score, you know, and they they've done that, and we certainly get some uh, boost from the home crowd if we're on the road for sure. Oh yeah. Um, to me, it's just a way that those guys show hey their enthusiasm and they celebrate, and you know it's just uh, maybe a different time I guess, but uh, yeah. and uh, I want guys to be excited. Certainly, I want them to be enthusiastic. I want them to play with passion, and that's the number one thing. So they want to celebrate after making a great play. I'm okay with that. Okay. How about a little question? Uh, you can get as personal as you want other outside of football. I mean, what do you like to do? Like hunt, fish, cook, read. What do you like to do? Yeah. So I, I take a fishing trip every year with coach Dungy and some NFL fellowship. We do a fellowship and we do a fishing trip, go fishing for walleye and smallmouth bass. So I like to do that. I wish I got a, more time to do fishing because I grew up fishing on Lake Erie uh, with my dad. So, and I spent about 12 years of my life out there on Lake Erie fishing for walleye. So I kind of know what I'm doing out there, but I, I, I really like doing that. Uh, that's really enjoyable. And my other hobby is golf. I like to golf, you know, I'm just okay at it because you don't have the time on task, but I do enjoy that. I enjoy the camaraderie with the guys out there on the course. And uh, so that's really it. Besides my number one job in the off season here is hanging out with my, with my family. So um, that's, that's what I like to There's do. Really definitely about some nice uh, golf courses here in, in Chicagoland area. So make sure to get out. Yeah, on those. no doubt. <laughs> listen, yeah, uh, I've been on a few of them. Listen, you had, well, I guess it was at Dallas. You had uh, two Butkus award winners, Jalen Smith and Demarcus Ware. What, how did Jalen handle that tragic knee problem? I mean, for the first few years, he was outstanding, and then then he kind of faded away. I guess, I don't know, the knee gave out or whatever? Yeah, you know, he came in really had like a redshirt year with me. So he came in, and, you know, at that point we had Sean Lee and, you know, Rolando McLean and Justin Durant and all those guys. And, you know, we had a pretty good linebacking core and he came in and we, he redshirted and really rehabbed and learned the defense that first year. And he really did a good job doing that. Um, and I only had him for one more year, um, wow. his second year. And that was it. And then I left. Wow. So uh, I really can't comment, you know, on, on what went on past that, but I thought he had a really good start to his career with that redshirt year and then jumping in the second year and really uh, starting to increase his play and his performance at, at that point. So um, that's all I can really comment on. Yeah, you know, he, he was our high school winner also there in Fort Wayne.
Maine, and then he was a winner at Notre Dame, of course. And yeah, he was right. a good guy. I was uh, sorry to see how his his knee really. Uh, I guess it made him quit. I guess it's pretty bad there after a while. Hey, coach, um, I got yeah. a question for you. Um, a lot, as far as you know, doing research around the league and talking to players, a lot of people say that you're known for getting you know players to punch above their weight. As far as at the linebacker position, kind of like a linebacker whisperer, maybe. As far as the it factor is success, what would, what's something you look for in, in linebackers to have that it factor? Yeah, I would say that the number one thing is, and this is this is going to sound really basic, and uh, Mr. Buckus knows what I'm talking about, is that a great linebacker always knows where the ball is. That he never, you know, he never gets fooled. Um, knows where the ball is every single time, and you'll be able to see that on tape. A guy that has instincts, and you can certainly help those guys. I like to talk to the linebackers about, you know, how they see the game. I want to really know how they see it and what their camera, I refer to their camera, what their lens is looking at. And I can certainly help those guys play a little faster uh, going through their key progression. But a lot of that's innate. You know, a lot of that's they're born with that and they have a good, great ability to know where the football is at all times, be able to read play action. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they don't go with the fakes and they are able to stay back in coverage when, when it's a pass and, you know, play downhill when it's run. So, but I do like to dive into a guy's camera and his lens and what he likes to look at. And I do think I can help him in some regard based on formations, what to look at and play a lot faster that way. And um, But I've been fortunate to be around some really good linebackers during the course of, of the career that I've had. Cool. Nice. And you have one now in Roquan Smith. He's a, actually another former winner. So you excited to coach him up? Yes. Yeah, very excited. And I got a chance to spend the whole day with him during the uh, draft process down here in Indianapolis when he was coming out. And we spent the entire day together. And and, uh, he is very, very smart, very instinctive. And he's going to be a heck of a player for us in this system. I mean, he's going to be able to really turn it loose um, and be and maximize his production in this system that we have. So we're excited about where he's going to go this year. Nice. What about uh, we can turn the, the questions around? Do you have a, a question for old number 51 here? Yeah, I, I actually do have a couple of questions. What was your, you know, if you can just say it in a basic way, that what was your key progression when you look, you know, into the backfield? What, what were you looking at? Well, I sort of uh, sort of looked uh, sort of looked through the quarterback and to the backs. You know, our defenses back then were 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 basically you know a four six, but it was a gap defense. And uh, George Allen was my rookie coach, and he was I, I think he really helped me. And I, I think that's another big tragedy that he wasn't and uh, he ended up as a head coach there with the Bears. But you know, we would go over things and. It just seemed like as my rookie year, I would would never make the same mistake twice. What I mean is that when I made a mistake, he would bring that up, give you the solution to it, and expected right. you not to do it again. To be successful, you have to do it that way because everybody makes mistakes. But according to their def- uh, the defense that we're playing, you know, it was a gap rule, very simple. And, uh, you know, like sweeps, the famous Green Bay, uh, Green Bay sweep with uh, Horning and Taylor and them guys. All I had to do was uh, avoid getting uh, knocked down or bothered by Forrest Gregg, the tackle. Uh, right. The guy that really bothered me, and I think it's probably more so even today that they do this, is like when Ernie McMillan, when I was playing against the Cardinals with Ernie McMillan, and, in, and let's say it was a sweep. And here I go. I, you know, I got to cover outside the gap of the defensive end, and then out. 
this guy would just step out and pass block me. And I'm like, while I'm trying to avoid him and get rid of him, the ball carrier is running by me. So I'd rather have a guy try to throw at me and I could uh, jump him or dodge him or whatever, and then I'm free to clear and make the tackle. But that darn guy, I mean, he'd get out there. Yeah. And I think that's what they do today. The guys are so big. I don't know if I, I, I would be as successful today playing today with those big guys like that for sweeps and stuff. But George well, Allen. I think, you, I think you'd find a way. <laughs> yeah, well, well anyway, that, that's what I, I, I remember about George Allen. And, uh, you know, I only had him there for a year. But it was you'd right. never make the mistake, you know, because it just – it's not like college, man. You can make about three or four mistakes and you don't get burned. But it seems like right. in the NFL, when you make a mistake, damn it, they they jump on it. So they really do. And that's three. a great point. You know? Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. I, I really believe in that because uh, the good players they file those mistakes away and correct them in the coach and player relationship. I remember I had uh, Sean Lee my first or couple of years there when I was with Dallas, and he had been getting you know cut on the perimeter. Uh, like mm-hmm. you're saying, and man, I incorporated a cut drill pretty much on every everything we did, every drill we did. I incorporated that bag, and I would shoot the bag at his legs. And man, he got better at it. It was rarely got cut, maybe once or twice during the whole season. And I want to say that's just because we put time on task and we emphasized it. And I didn't do a good enough job in the beginning of doing that, but after that, he he was great at it. So that's right when you say, "Hey, never make the same mistake twice." Yep. 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 Well, I'm uh, over the last year or two. I've been uh, I get pretty upset with the way the, the team has been playing, and uh, you know I threaten George McCaskey all the time, and <laughs> so he's kind kind of happy with uh, what's going on now, what you guys are doing, and hopefully, you know, I guess in this age, I mean, you could turn a team around pretty quick if you get everything rolling for you. So we look forward to that. Any last questions, well, Coach? I appreciate your support. Yep. Uh, nope. I don't have any more questions, but I certainly do enjoy the visit, enjoy the time with you guys. Hopefully, yeah, we'll, we, we'll, you, you're welcome anytime, Coach. You'll join us again, maybe during the year when we're undefeated. <laughs> there we go. So, okay. thanks we'll for I'll, I'll be there. Thanks for taking the time to be on with us and uh, and go Bears. Yeah, right, maybe, yeah, maybe you Thank can you. change uh, Aaron Rodgers' attitude about how he owns the Bears. That'll be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, that's, like I said, that's that's why we play the game. Right? <laughs> that's it. Thanks, Coach. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thank All righty. Take All care. Right, Have a good day. You, you too. too. Thank you to Matt Eberflus and my dad for joining the show today, and thank you to my co-host Matt Amendola. Follow us on our social channels listed in the show description and thebutkusaward.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing number 51 merchandise, please go to dickbutkus.com. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I am Matt Butkus, and we'll catch you on the next one. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. 
They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Buckus Award and Buckus Foundation websites, and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1.